Star Wars Escape Pod and our second after show breakdown review, whatever you want to call it, for Tales of the Jedi. And uh, today we're going to be taking a look at the Dooku episode specifically, which is super exciting because uh, our last Tales of the Jedi, we got into the story of Ahsoka and I've been very much looking forward to this. I know our co-host Blake has been looking forward to this as well. And our good friend Kirk, who's joined us on the podcast, we're going to be talking to both of them this week about Dooku and Tales of the Jedi. Let's get into it. Another happy landing. music from Kevin Kiner that kicks us off. Actually, this is the final song of the soundtrack. It's called Dooku's Fall. And uh, very appropriate that these episodes are actually delivering us the transition or the turning point for Jedi Dooku into what we know as Darth Tyrannus. So these episodes were pretty fantastic, and uh, I gotta say, welcome back to the show, Blake and Kirk. Um, first of all, how did you guys like these episodes? Yeah, this was def- this was the trilogy I think I was more excited about, and I think after watching it, I was correct in assuming that. <laughs> the uh, the Dooku episodes. Yeah, I really uh, I was I, I think I've always been a big fan of Dooku just because he's he's kind of been mysterious. Yeah, of a character like we've we've kind of just got tidbits of his story. And I don't know if that's because he almost felt like an afterthought going into Attack of the Clones. He kind of comes out of nowhere, right? He's not mentioned. You don't see him at all in Phantom Menace, right? And then, well, they were going to obviously have Jar Jar as the main villain, but after everyone hated him, they had to change it up. So I think that's where Kaduku <laughs> first got created. <laughs> Like, yeah, let's, let's take a 180. Switch. Yeah, go from complete <laughs> comedy to, like, just total, like, stoicness, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that's an interesting proposition. I think I think it was also, like, we, we've had video clips of George just describe Dooku as the villain that he wanted to create after after Maul went, went down, right? It was just a very different approach at a villain, you know, something going from someone with a lot of energy and a lot of... Uh, uh, viciousness and and go to someone more calculating and cold and um, right yeah a bit more kind of uh, closer to to the emperor right yeah someone yeah who, who's a little more stoic and yeah as uh, 
you know, looking at things from a wider perspective is more about trying to use like force powers and is intellect as opposed to just raw physical prowess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's, uh, it's a bit more, uh, a bit more of a battle hardened rather than like, uh, bloodlusting, you know, like Maul was just out for blood. Whereas Dooku is more of like, okay, we actually have a plan going on here. Uh, let's stick to it kind of thing. Right. Um, they've been pretty, they've been pretty free in the comics to kind of insinuate that Maul is kind of beyond his, uh, well, beyond his scope, I guess, when it comes to killing Jedi, right? Like he, uh, he, he he's all out for just like, let's reveal ourselves and start killing everybody. And, uh, well, he's, think, he's young, right? And he wants, yeah. he's, uh, he's excited for the, the battle. He's been trained for this his whole life and he's, he's ready to get started. Yeah, 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 exactly. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge, right? Like that's exactly, yeah, it's like one of his like three lines in the movie. <laughs> so we're at, what is the opposite with Dooku? It feels like he's coming at it from a, we need to fix the galaxy perspective, right? Like he has like this moral goal instead of just revenge mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's his real dissatisfaction for the jedi and the council which i think these episodes showcased perfectly oh, and yeah. it also made me and it also made me not like mace windu as much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love sam jackson but mace windu i don't think he's ever supposed to be a likable guy like he's not supposed to be this likable character right so i'm glad <laughs> you said that because i feel like I don't know. I think I think it's just the only person who likes Mace Windu. I think is Sam Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> like it's then I I feel like if that was the idea that they didn't cast it very well because everyone loves Samuel Jackson, so they should have picked someone who I guess is less likable for the role. If that was the idea. I, well, here's the thing, because I I love Sam Jackson, right? But like oh, the yeah. thing is, is like I don't. He's not supposed to be the most likable person. Like he's he's just supposed to be that that guy, that really stoic we're just set in our ways kind of Jedi that just follows the book and we don't listen to the people. We don't listen to the force anymore, I guess. Like, <laughs> I don't really know. Like he's just kind of like, so in the mindset of like, we have a Jedi code, let's stick to it that nothing else matters to him. Right. And right. You know, and it's just, there's so much dogma and he's just so caught he, up in it. Yeah. Dogma. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, the first episode that that we can get started off with is is it's called Justice, and uh, it's worth noting that Liam Neeson, Corey Burton from uh, he plays the voice he's the voice actor of Dooku, uh, who had Christopher Lee's blessing, and uh, Ian McDermott all have returned for this trilogy of episodes, and uh, Liam Neeson's son uh, Michael Richardson also plays, uh, the very young Qui-Gon Dooku, the, uh, the very young Qui-Gon, uh, that we see in this Dooku young Qui-Gon reveal. Um, and, uh, I mean, we get this reveal, they're coming into the planet. We see their, their, them for the first time, their models. And, um, I gotta say off the top of my head, I mean, his cape for me, it was just a little too close to home for what was supposed to be Jedi status Dooku still. I was kind of expecting him to be in a, in a robe Tra traditional a tr robe yeah like a more traditional look rather than the cape well i feel like he takes up the cape probably really close to when the audiobooks happen right because he finds out about his family yeah he's pretty young he's still he's like early on his apprenticeship with yoda i think at that point well it flashes over so much time so I, again like i don't with it, because it's an audiobook i don't really quite know 
exactly when he starts to kind of visually separate himself from other Jedi, but um, uh, it was interest. It was an interesting story choice. Is all I'm saying that they started things off with him kind of differentiating him than his Padawan. You know, Qui Gon's wearing just garbs. Like he's literally he's not doesn't even have a robe on. He's just got the tunic and not yeah. even like an undershirt tunic. Like he's just bare chest under there, right? And uh, <laughs> and then Dooku is kind of like sporting the cloak and. You know, not too different than the one that he wears in episode two with the chain across his neck. So I thought that was kind of an interesting story choice. But um, yeah, Kirk, what what do you think of the 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 visual kind of you know look of Dooku and Qui Gon in this reveal? Oh, well, for me, Dooku just kind of looked like exactly like he did in uh, episode two. <laughs> it feels like he hadn't changed or anything. I mean, I know that there were slight differences, and it's not exactly the same. But um, I wasn't really thinking about it at the time, but I always note that whenever you see a bunch of Jedi around and whether it's in the Clone Wars or in, in in the prequels, you've got all the Jedi, which are pretty much in there, you know, their tunic and their robes. And then you've got Anakin mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and then Anakin's wearing something totally different. Yeah. Um, and it also a lot um, more Sith-like. Yeah, exactly. The, the dark leathers um, and the dark cloth and yeah. yeah Whoever yeah. could have foreseen his turning. <laughs> We should have just identified them by the clothes that they wear, and then, um, and obviously, like Ahsoka doesn't usually wear the the tunic. At least she does wear the cloak sometimes with the hood. Um, but um, yeah, like uh, uh, Dooku's uh, attire and wear, maybe it's more so a bit more rather than his reference of him trying to turn to the dark side, but more so like his wealth and social status mm-hmm. and his upbringing and everything. But yeah, it would have been kind of nice to see him in a in a different. In a different outfit or or at least some it is a bit different i am comparing yeah. it here it is it's like they mashed the the jedi tunic and his original costume together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly yeah i don't have an issue with it it was just for me it was just like oh he's already kind of starting to embrace his wealth and social status at this point in time you know so early on i guess before he turns to the dark side so uh, for me, I thought that was I was kind of interested in in like wow, this is you know Qui Gon ages quite a bit between then and by the time we hit Phantom Menace era. So yeah. Uh, by the way, how actually, old yeah, is yeah. he here? I want to know because he's already got a five o'clock shadow, but he seems like he's fourteen. Dooku? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Qui Gon. Oh, Qui Gon. Yeah, I would say. I mean, he's a Padawan still, so I would say yeah. he's definitely under the age of twenty one. Like he's, he's definitely under, under that age. Right. Or 18, 18 to 21. He's kind of like, he's he's a teenager. So So he's just got that sweet Scottish beard coming in early. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I would say he's like 17 maybe, but yeah, Qui-Gon does age like significantly from these episodes compared to at least visually how Dooku ages. Mm -hmm. And I, I I don't know, maybe Dooku's using some type of moisturizer or something, who knows, but like, (laughs) like they, they, they do look the, the differences in the, between the episode one of the Dooku kind of trilogy. And then like, uh, the second episode, Oh, maybe it's the third. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, like the the visual differences between the two characters is is so uh, is dope, so yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the first and the second one, and then the second and the third one. The only thing that changes is his, his beard is longer. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. exactly. But I, I actually looking back at the episode now, uh, um, I I can see that um, the the costume that at least Dooku is wearing is a whole lot different compared to um 
uh, Attack of the Clones. It just, because it, it is different compared to the usual light kind of fabrics that the Jedi wear, I just, in the back of my head, I guess, made the connection that it looks like his outfit from Attack of the Clones. Yeah. They're similar. It's more just different colors, I think, is the main yeah. thing. Um, I got I got to like it though. I, I got to bring this up That's too cool. while we're talking about Duke's visual look. Is his Jedi saber? Uh, the hilt clearly is different than his Sith saber. It's um, uh, not only the blade is blue, but the actual hilt is different as well. And uh, I thought that was worth bringing up because I believe they're going to be selling this hilt at Disney parks very soon. Ah, the real reason. Merchandising. Merchandising. <laughs> Merchandising. Actually, you got to have that on the button, Josh, ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I need to, I need to get this on this thing, yeah. Um, Speaking of uh, the, the blue lightsaber, actually, one thing I know, I, I can see now is that, like, his hair is very blue as well, like, when, when he activates the, the lightsaber. I don't know if it's the light from the blade, but, um, yeah, Dooku's hair in the first episode is definitely, like, a dark navy blue in in uh in some of the shots um i think it i think it's probably the the lightsaber glow but i don't know maybe mm. he's popping in some hair dye as well it's um <laughs> it's possible they pulled an ezra bridger and decided like hey let's just give this a little bit of color and i don't know maybe that's what they do in the animated shows instead of black maybe yeah, they just true. go with like a navy like a dark navy color instead because uh, we know that... Is it that different, Josh? I'm looking at his lightsaber here. It doesn't look all that different than Attack of the Clones. It's not too different, but it is different. Yeah. So the the spike on the edge is uh, is not as... It's not as curvy. The actual hilt's not as curvy. And uh, the, the switch, I believe, isn't red or on the bottom. I think it might be a different color. And, yeah, uh, it looks the, like it's a kind of a coppery color yeah and uh the the actual grip the black grip is is also in a different place i believe it's just kind of stylized a bit differently so um you know it's i thought i thought that was kind of kind of interesting you know kind of cool to see that he at some point he's got a different lightsaber and uh you know it just makes room for more stories of course and um yeah but uh, the, way, the way he activates the blade is quite similar oh, to yeah. the, or pretty much oh, yeah, identical, yeah. which is which is I'm I'm glad that they've they've kept that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. With with the with the curved hilt comes the fighting style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it kind of reminds me of the way that uh, Kylo Ren oh, like ignites his lightsaber in the original trailer. Yeah, he, like, it kind of does. It yeah, he just side. like shoots it off to the side, yeah. Yeah, oh, I guess. Teaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that I know Josh is pretty bitter they cut out. Yeah, it was my favorite was shot so, in the trailer, and it, was, it didn't it end cool, up in man. the movie. <laughs> Not no, when they didn't. do that. Everyone's got a thing. Everyone's got to have their thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. The villagers in a small town have essentially they've kidnapped their senator's son, and uh, I guess this was probably a whole heist thing to get this done prior to the episode's beginning. But the Jedi have gone to investigate this. And um, a much more uh, who's a, who happens to be a much more noble man than his father is uh, this this son of the senator, and um, the senator is very colonial looking. He's got like an army of bodyguards that all have uh, very colonial looking soldier costumes, which is like very cool and very new to Star Wars. We haven't really seen that before. Well, we were speculating that this was Onderon, so I think they're a little bit similar. Oh right, yeah, yeah, because they never really name the planet, do they? In this end of this episode, at least they, I, I didn't think they, catch it. Yeah, they said what planet the senator's from, but I can't remember what it was. 
Okay. If they did, because I caught the name of the planet from the second episode, but I didn't catch the one for the first. So I just, I, I just wasn't sure. Uh, so I didn't put yeah, it down. The, the planet on this episode, when I, when I first saw it, especially the trees or the burnt trees in the background, it kind of reminded me of, I think the Ahsoka episode in, in the Mandalorian. Yeah, that's a good point. Kind yeah. Of, like it kind of reminded me of that village with the wall and everything outside of the village. Right. Obviously you can, any burnt planet or forest, I guess would look like that, but that's kind of what I thought when I first saw it. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great point, actually. Yeah, that, that you could very well be that. Um, yeah, uh, so it, what I thought was really fascinating about this episode is it's really about this Dooku perceiving um, a senator as a very corrupt man, right? And then having to deal with that garbage. And uh, he says something which I thought was a very good line to kind of just throw in someone's face who is, of course, going to eventually betray everything he knows and loves in favor of believing, you know, the Senate is completely all corrupt and this is the only way to do things. And uh, he says, uh, he says, you serve the Senate. And uh, Dooku retorts, no, we serve the people of this republic. And I was like, well, that's so good. Like, that's such a great Jedi response. You know, it's very accurate. And uh, you could see the villagers all looking over at him, kind of like, like, oh, yeah, he actually... He actually is here for us, right? Like he's not. Yeah, but they're probably pretty skeptical. They are, yeah. And when they first get there, like they're like, "We're not going to give you the the you know like <laughs> get out of here kind of thing." Like you serve the guy that we hate, the, you know. So Man. there's this general perception that we're trying to like as viewers, like the the story's just trying to tell us like everyone doesn't like the Jedi already because after all this time, they've kind of grown attached to being associated with the Senate, right? And a lot of senators are kind of just out for themselves. Like they don't care about the planet or the people they come from. They're just out to get wealthy, right? So um, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a good story hook. And of course, not all senators are like that. Like we've seen, you know, Mon Mothma, Padme, Bill Organa. There's a lot of good senators, but um, you know, the odd one here and there is definitely going to be uh, a little selfish. So uh, it was kind of, it was new for, I guess, all of us to see it really a story where the people are kind of fighting back against their own uh, senator, right? So did you guys like that whole aspect of this episode? Like, you know, being such a gravitational plot line in Dooku's story and his turn? I mean, I did. I think it played right into the storyline of what we know happens to Dooku. So it you can see that he's he's trying to do the right thing. He wants to do the right thing, but he is he's stuck working in a broken system. And I think that at least that's like when we hear the conversation in Attack of the Clones between Obi-Wan and Dooku during that kind of interrogation scene, like Dooku sounds very genuine in him trying to convince uh, Obi-Wan to join him so that they can correct all the crux. Uh, corruption everything going on in the republic mm-hmm. and it doesn't to me it, it never seemed like he was just lying to convince obi-wan to join it seems very genuine he kind of lays everything out and then as we know he's at that point he's working with the emperor but i think he he went down the wrong path to do the right thing and it's interesting that i think his apprentice tried to do the same thing but did it of a much better approach being Qui-Gon. I think Qui-Gon was also yeah. working outside the system to do what he thought was right. Yeah. And, and Qui-Gon, that being said, like Qui-Gon just followed 
the force, right? Like he, he, he's kind of, we, we've kind of been led to believe that he did things outside of the council's dogma in favor of, uh, believing, uh, trusting his instincts and, and believing the force. And that's, that's what he tells Anakin before the pod race. He's like, you know, trust your instincts. Right. But I think that's also what Dooku has been doing. Oh, we see him do in these episodes. But the right. problem is we see him he, put his faith in the wrong people. That's, that's the difference. Right. Or maybe he's looking for a, a quick fix. Yeah, that too. Yeah, for sure. And it's like I think maybe the difference is Dooku is just he's seen it for so long now. He's just he's just tired. Yeah, tired. yeah, yeah. He's a he's a battle hardened, bitter person. World right? weary. Yeah. World weary. Well, we see him almost try to strike this senator down. He's like Qui Gon has to pull him back, and it re- reminded me a lot of Ahsoka, Anakin slash Obi Wan, Anakin moments as well when they have to pull him back from going over the edge, but. He's so disturbed that he says um, corruption like yours must be eradicated, and he's about to kill yeah. the he's about to kill the guy, and then you know it finally gets pulled back right, and uh, the episode just basically ends off with him kind of being like, I I wonder how this is even gonna change anything, like he's just kind of like standing there going like, well we saved the guy's son, he's off to do his job again. Hopefully things change after this. We don't yeah. know, right? Um, yeah, the uh, the tone really does shift as soon as he starts to kind of force choke the, yeah. the senator, and then you start to remember, oh, this is the Dooku that that is absolutely not on the side of the Jedi. Come Attack of the Clones, uh, uh, Attack of the Clones time, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, I think it, it's really interesting strategy. I feel like Lucasfilm was doing at the moment because if you also combine uh, Andor as well as the events in in Tales of the Jedi, it's almost like flushing out and showing everything that's just wrong with the, the galaxy, whether or not mm-hmm. it's the Empire that is in control or um, the Republic or, or, or whoever. And I feel like we, we're getting more and more stories of what's what life is actually like beyond the Council or beyond the, you know, the A-Team. Yeah, yeah. We're also learning, I think, that Lucasfilm hates politics. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh let's play a little bit of audio. I got a little bit of audio just for just to play back. It's it's in regards to this whole you brought it up earlier, Blake, the Dooku Obi-Wan conversation. Mm-hmm. Traitor. Oh no, my friend. This is a mistake, a terrible mistake. They've gone too far. This is madness. I thought you were the leader here, Dooku. This had nothing to do with me, I assure you. I will petition immediately to have you set free. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. May I ask why a Jedi Knight is all the way out here on Geonosis? I've been tracking a bounty hunter named Django Fett. Do you know him? There are no bounty hunters here that I am aware of. The Geonosians don't trust them. Well, who can blame them? But he is here, I can assure you. It's a great pity that our paths have never crossed before, Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon always spoke very highly of you. I wish he were still alive. I could use his help right now. Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you. Don't be so sure, my young Jedi. You forget. But he was once my apprentice, just as you were once his. He knew all about the corruption in the Senate, but he would never have gone along with it if he had learned the truth as I have. 
the truth. The truth. What if I told you that the Republic was now under the control of the Dark Lord of the Sith? No, that's not possible. The Jedi would be aware of it. The dark side of the Force has clouded their vision, my friend. Hundreds of Senators are now under the influence of a Sith Lord called Darth Sidious. I don't believe you. The Viceroy of the Trade Federation was once in league with this Darth Sidious. But he was betrayed ten years ago by the Dark Lord. He came to me for help. He told me everything. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. I will never join you, Dooku. It's such an interesting dynamic between the two, because obviously they both share this love for the same man who's long gone. And um, Dooku firmly believes that if Qui-Gon were still alive, he would have joined him, right? But I think, I think he has it wrong there. I think he's, he's really mistaken and, uh, into thinking that that would actually be a thing. Yeah, you know, after, I don't would either. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you, you know, after I haven't seen Attack of the Clones for, for quite some time. So listening to that audio, it almost, like for me at least after all of this, it almost feels like that was recorded after, <laughs> yeah. after like Tales of the Jedi. I'm actually kind of shocked and, and I can't believe I've forgotten uh, all of this because, uh, yeah, it's uh, really fascinating to hear because it's almost like they, they planned these stories and everything beforehand and it all fits in so well. And it's almost like like I can totally understand where Dooku is coming from and, um, and, and how he's just trying to convince Obi-Wan. And he's pretty much telling Obi-Wan everything that he said there was completely oh, yeah. correct. Oh yeah. And, and, Obi and Obi-Wan's just like, nah, man, <laughs> not a, not a fan, not a fan of your, your, your theory here, which is yeah. Crazy to, to remember because like, I always thought as Obi-Wan of being, I guess he obviously is a bit clouded. Yeah. And, and it's All funny. Because, exactly. Yeah. And it's funny that like, so, you know, I think, I think Dooku has a soft spot for Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan has, has taken a lot from Qui-Gon, right? Like you see Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, you think like, oh, that's, that's a, that's a great dynamic duel there. And, um, and I think being, uh, how Qui-Gon spoke, speaks very highly of Obi-Wan and stuff. And in Tales of Jedi, we also get a moment where he says, oh yeah, I still haven't met him. Like, it'd be nice to, to meet him someday. Right. Um, and this is kind of like that fateful day where they finally meet face to face. And, um, it's so interesting that it happens so much later, but, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, I think, I think knowing that Obi-Wan is Qui-Gon's apprentice, that he's got a bit of leeway when it comes to, Hey, maybe I can sway this guy over to my side. Like, I think we would get along just fine. You know, it's a bit, um, it's a bit strange that all that time that, uh, Obi-Wan and Dooku were at the Jedi council, uh, the, you know, the, in the Jedi building, they never crossed paths, but I, I mean, just yeah, thinking about that, the only way that makes sense to me is if, um, uh, Dooku actually left the order before Qui-Gon officially had apprenticeship with Obi-Wan. Mm. So like, I'm not sure where yeah. that timeline all falls yeah. together. It's also possible that, um, that, cause we don't know a crazy amount when it comes to what, how the Jedi order worked right before the Phantom Menace, at least, at least in my opinion, I know, I know we've been introduced to different kind of 
jobs that Jedi have in the High Republic era, where a lot of them are kind of like they're out there constantly doing stuff. And then there's people that are always at the temple and they're, you know, like doing force related things and whatever, right? Like that, like everyone's kind of got their job. So like maybe, maybe they didn't cross paths before because Dooku just has a different kind of job within the Jedi order than, than Qui-Gon does, I guess with, with Obi-Wan. So that might be a thing. It's also possible that because we're talking about the future episode here, um, that maybe he's already kind of distancing himself quite a lot and um, already Mm. spending a lot more time away from the order kind of more or less intentionally. He's already doing some shady stuff at that point. So um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe we'll kind of get an answer to that in the future, but yeah. Another thing as well, I wanted to note, I mean, listening to that audio again and without the visuals, you can kind of hear how sad um, Dooku mm-hmm. is with um, with the passing of like uh, of Qui Gon. Yeah, genuinely. Uh, I mean, when yeah. I when yeah when, when I first kind of watched uh, the the prequels like a long time ago, and even like re- not that recently, but maybe a year or so ago, it almost uh, without these episodes, it almost kind of feels like he's being a little bit sarcastic. But in, that's how I at least interpreted it. Mm-hmm. Or there's like a hint a hint of he's not being completely truthful. But like after watching Tales and, and everything now, it, it it does sound like it's completely coming from, you know, a sense of respect and, and, and how he is actually feeling. Yeah, and I think that's the idea. The idea is that, and Josh and I, have, have we've talked about this, where he actually kind of lays everything out to Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan already doesn't trust him. And plus this whole thing just sounds ridiculous because he has such faith in the Republic that mm-hmm. he just assumes that Dooku is lying to him. Yeah, he's blinded, right? Like, not only is, like, the dark side clouded their vision, but uh, he's kind of putting blind trust in the fact that the system he believes in and fights for works and that it isn't fully corrupt and that a Sith Lord is not at the head of the game, right? And, you know, because he can't possibly fathom any of that because that's his reality. <laughs> and when we see that what comes crashing down as a result of that blind faith it's it, it you know it's disastrous right you know order 66 you know wipes them all out so um yeah it's funny how kind of the truth has been out there for years and in, in a clone wars episode much later uh when they come face to face after finally kind of discovering this whole cypher stuff i think it was in like season six of the clone wars uh he kind of he kind of like gives obi-wan a wincing remark he says i told you everything you needed to know back on geonosis kenobi and he says you should have joined me when you had the chance and then they keep fighting and then he gets away but i thought that was like such a great little like thing to throw in there because uh nod yeah 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 a little nod to you had you had your chance kind of thing right um yeah and when and when kenobi goes undercover as rako hardin as the bounty hunter you know he says to obi-wan he says uh, you've been a word worthy adversary, Kenobi, but I can't say the same about your apprentice. And it's always Anakin, the one that's fighting him. And, you know, yeah. like, it's funny though. Poor Anakin. Yeah. He's got this respect for Obi-Wan that, that he just doesn't share with any other Jedi. And, um, Anakin, I think, because of Qui-Gon. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe because, because of the Qui-Gon connection, but, um, I think there's something in Obi-Wan that he, he he doesn't kill him either. Like when they're fighting in the Chancellor's throne room, like we're on that we're on that ship, right? In episode three, he doesn't kill Obi Wan. He just kind of knocks him out. He could have totally killed him, but he just doesn't because he knows that 
if he can kill Anakin, which is the one that he knows Palpatine's probably grooming, right? Then now he's got a new maybe 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 Obi-Wan will finally kind of come to him, right? If he kind of like tells him the truth or whatever. Who knows, right? Like who knows what he's planning? Um but yeah, it's, I mean, now that we've seen the Clone Wars animated series, I doubt that would ever happen. But yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but at the time, we just watched time. movies back to back. Right. Uh, second episode is called Choices. Um, Jedi Master Kitri is dead, and the Jedi are sent to recover the body. Uh, Dooku has questions about her death. This pl- this episode takes place on Raxus, which is indeed the Separatist homeworld that we see him lead the Separatist Council of the Chamber of senators for the for the separatist alliance um it's uh the home world of uh of lex's or uh, sorry what's his name again um uh lux 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 yeah, von terry uh <laughs> i think uh yeah her, her his mom uh was the senator for i think it was onderon or something or may uh and they they met padme on raxus in like a in an episode uh, of the Clone Wars, I think, it, yeah, Raxus was featured a few times, but the, the, this this was the this is the planet that um, that they're doing their thing on, which is kind of cool. Mace Windu shows up in this episode, and he's uh, got a different lightsaber hilt. It doesn't have all the Electrum on it. Did you guys notice that? Oh, it's not like plated. No, it's not like plated. Gold. No, yeah, because yeah, only Jedi Masters have the have the right to use the 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 chromy stuff. <laughs> oh really i didn't know that yeah it's like an eu thing so like only only like the the council members could use um electrum on their which is a very expensive metal on on their lightsaber hilts and uh that's why sidious has such a chromed out piece of a lightsaber hilt because <laughs> he's like it's basically an insult like his lightsaber is an, an insult to the jedi that like i'm just flashing my thing out because I can, right? <laughs> because I'm a Sith Lord. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it was kind of worth noting, like Mace Windu's lightsaber is not, you know, the, the same one that we see in Attack of the Clones. Um, I just wish it was blue, honestly. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk, do you know, uh, did you ever play any of those old video games where, or have any of the old action figures that Mace Windu had a blue lightsaber once upon a time? Uh, I'm really dating back my memory here, but um, when because when I did see, uh, obviously I wasn't expecting Dooku's lightsaber to be red, like that, that wouldn't make any sense at all. Um, but uh, yeah, it would have been nicer to see a, a different color of uh, lightsaber. But I have a feeling if Sam Jackson saw Windu running around in any type of Star Wars content without a purple lightsaber, there there would probably be a lawsuit. <laughs> there would be uproar. <laughs> there would be there, rebellion. There would be <laughs> <laughs> that would be a rebellion, but yeah, like I mean, it, I think uh, the the big uh, point for me coming out of this episode, similar to uh, I guess what we we're talking about earlier, is just like the difference between Windu and and um, and Count Dooku, especially like right at the end. Uh, Mace Windu kind of reminds me of like a colleague at work that obviously like sniped you or uh, tried to go for a uh, promotion yeah. or something. And uh, it just, yeah, I guess this is the episode that made me not like him as much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Cause I was not expecting that. And they kind of leave you wondering if Mace knew that beforehand or not. I think he says he, he just learned it, but I don't know. It seemed a little tongue in cheek the way he said it to me. I, I, yeah, it was definitely underhanded move for sure. And it's funny how they picked Mace over a Dooku just because he, 
it just he follows protocol better. That's like the only reason. For the council seat, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah for the council seat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the end of this episode, um, yeah, he he uh, he definitely kind of confronts Windu about it. He's like, you know, do you know, uh, do you, like, what do you know about this? And you know, Windu basically says like. I think he ratted him out, honestly, for the chair because, you know, he, he yeah, says like, so yeah, because he actually says like, well, I followed protocol and you did something else. Like, you know, he basically kind of like throws it in his face and uh, walks yeah, and, away. And from the beginning, yeah, from the beginning to investigate the manor, it was all Dooku's idea as well. So yeah. like he did all the work, he went on his hunch and then Mace Windu was kind of like, yeah, I agree with you now. And then he took the, he took the success for it or the, the credit. The, all, mm-hmm. all the credit for it and i think i don't know if you agree with me but i feel like this was like the final turn, uh, like turning point obviously mm-hmm. or maybe not the final turning point i think obviously qui-gon one of the last draws for was. sure yeah but yeah like these are definitely the beats that led up to dooku being like you know what guys i'm not a fan of you anymore i'm, I'm leaving <laughs> yeah 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 I, I i agree um i thought it was interesting that I think it was it was something that Dooku said, but he said for a Jedi to succumb to a surprise attack is rare unless it comes from one they would trust. And it, it's a very subtle nod to why he knows that Order 66 is going to work so well, because oh, he's yeah, the guy. Think about that. He's the guy who puts in the order for the clones, right? Like it's all the it's the whole plan with Sidious and everything. It's all orchestrated by Dooku. The Clone Wars, everything is Palpatine and Dooku the entire time. Um, Sifo-Dyas is just a pawn in that game, right? And and so knowing that, you know, and and that's the guy who made the order for the clones, and and knowing that he knows Jedi can succumb to a surprise attack if they trust the person that they're fighting with, would totally make sense. So like he knows how to kill Jedi, right? Like because he was one, he was a Jedi master. <laughs> so I thought that was a really cool nod uh, when they're investigating why this Jedi died. Um, he knows exactly you know, the kind of reason uh, that she would have died from. And and it happens to be the same reason that he ends up killing thousands across the galaxy with. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was a good catch. I actually missed that. Yeah, really good. The um, the other thing was uh, the, the, the Senate guards who betrayed uh, Master Kitri, um was because their senator is corrupt. Uh, the only reason why they killed her is because they, like in the first episode, uh, they thought that, oh, the Jedi are just associated with our senator so tightly that they're just all the same, right? And mm-hmm. um, he says, like, Jedi are lapdogs to the Senate. It's evident throughout the galaxy. Like, Jedi claim peace, but mostly keep law for the order and order for the rich and powerful. And Dooku is lost in remark. You know, he's lost in thought at, at this remark, right? Like, he just doesn't really know how to respond. And then he kind of says to the the guard prisoner later, you know, he basically says, like, I respect how you think. Um, that's not really the truth, but, like, I respect, like, your thinking. Next time, don't respond that way. <laughs> like, you know, he <laughs> kind of puts it, like, you know, he, he kind of gives them, like, subtle tips and how to how to ensure victory for his people. And um, I think he agrees, at least to a certain yeah, extent. He, like, he, he totally knows that agrees. there's a, a lot of corruption in the Republic, especially in the upper echelons. Yeah. And... I think that like that it's kind of I think that's that's Dooku's story is he sees this corruption and he wants to eradicate it and then he trusts the wrong person and it leads him to the dark side. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um he also ends off this episode by saying uh 
to Windu, do you think the Jedi will continue to keep peace if they continue to take everything the Senate says is law? And Windu responds to that by saying, we are guided by counsel, not politics or ego. And I was like, all right, <laughs> that's like a, a very Windu thing to say, I guess. But, um, but I mean, Dooku poses a really good question. So, I mean, just like, just a question to room, to the room. I'm mean, like, 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 like how, how did you guys respond? Like when you heard him say that, because, uh, I don't know, for me, I was like, it's, it's just kind of hard to disagree with what he's, what he's trying to say. Right. Cause you know, it's also part of the reason that, um, that I guess Anakin feels boxed in too. And, uh, you know, the Senate Jedi, the Jedi have this idea of how, where, where their place is and how things work and they're not willing to, uh, like expand their line of thinking. They don't think like stuff that like, I'm sure they're aware that corruption exists, but Mm -hmm. I don't think they understand the extent or are willing to, to believe that it's possible. So they're, they're very stuck in their ways. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're very, um, they're very stubborn uh, for their for their code, right? So, um, yeah, I think I think it's like it's a very appropriate thing for him to kind of question the nature of the reality that he's kind of like built his life around, uh, because this is an order that he's kind of dedicated his life to, and and it's like, you know, what do you like? What what have I been doing this whole time? If the galaxy doesn't look at us as their saviors or their their heroes or their peacekeepers, right? Like you know, why are we looked at as the villains? So like it's other people's opinion that starts to sway his mind and he, he's starting to flip, right? He's starting to realize like if other people see Jedi as villains, then I'm obviously doing something wrong. And so his thinking is obviously he goes to the wrong person. And you You know, know, it's funny. I just, it just dawned on me that this is exactly what happened to Ahsoka, but she went in a different direction after she left the Jedi Order. Uh, that's exactly it, right? Like um, uh, her uh, her exit, I guess, is also in, I guess, in in bad relation with like how the Council responds to uh, to her. I guess uh, they they just hold. Um, they just hold a lot of mistrust, right? Um, and I, I always thought that was that was kind of, you know, very sad. And uh, another reason why Anakin, I think, also leaves. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's crazy to think like all the all this stuff, all the stuff that kind of builds for someone to kind of snap like that. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let, let's talk about the third one here, the the Sith Lord. The uh, the episode overlaps with the Phantom Menace. And I thought that was one of the coolest aspects of this yeah, video. Yeah, no, 100%. It's like, uh, exactly what I liked about the Plagueis novels. <laughs> yeah. How, how uh, these things are going on behind the scenes while the Phantom Menace is happening. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, I um, I, I became super, like, hyper-focused as soon as, like, he walked over to the tree and he started kind of contemplating and Yaddle went up behind. And I wasn't too sure what that was going to be about, but then as soon as... He mentioned Qui-Gon and this was about like the death of Qui-Gon. I was like, whoa, they're going there. Almost yeah. um, almost to the exact same effect I had when I was watching the last four episodes of season seven of The Clone Wars when you just knew it was overlapping with events of Revenge of the Sith. And it makes those events so much more like interesting and, and stuff. So like, yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was the best episode out of, out of the three. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I loved the overlap. 
Um, I love that Jocasta New fills him, fills him in on Qui-Gon's encounter with Maul and Tatooine. Uh, I love I love that the entire episode really kind of spans the length of of the attack of, or the the Phantom Menace film because you know by the end of it like that's when they're off to Naboo to go do, go do um, Qui-Gon's funeral, right? Yeah. Um, I also really loved a nice touch. They threw in that scene where Dooku deletes the Kamino archives in the Jedi libraries um, and uses. Yeah, now we know officially who it was. Yeah, Um, yeah, exactly. How he goes in the first person he speaks to is the librarian. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The the one that bugs uh, Obi Wan being like, it doesn't. If it's not there, it doesn't exist. I thought that was like. (laughs) It's like makes her look so incompetent, you know. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I love it. It was a nice touch that he used Sifo-Dyas's clearance code to do it. Um, that was great. Yeah. yeah, It wasn't super necessary to do, but I feel like that was just so good. You know, it was just such a great, um, uh, I think Sifo-Dyas, I I can't quite recall, but I believe, uh, he was on the council if I'm not mistaken. And, um, maybe only council members, have clearance codes to erase oh, stuff maybe. that could have possibly been the reason why they did it that way. And why Jocasta uh, knew thought they could never happen. Yeah, exactly. Cause like we know from clone Wars, kind of the rest of the puzzle when, when it comes to, um, Sifo-Dyas's fate and his involvement with the sorts, uh, we also kind of get the beginning of that story with the Dooku, uh, Jedi lost audiobook, which was fantastic about filling in that whole Sifo-Dyas thing. Like it was really, really good. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I think I, I really loved that scene where he, he deletes the archives. I thought oh, that was a nice touch. Um, Qui-Gon and Yaddle speak in the hallways and Dooku confronts them and says that the council has been ignoring his warnings about the coming darkness for years. Obi-Wan is mentioned and they make sure that Dooku doesn't meet him through the episode. That was very accurate. Um, you can see his disdain when it comes to the council, you know, mentioning <laughs> they've been no- ignoring my warnings about the coming darkness for years. And uh, when Qui-Gon kind of talks to him about Maul, you know, the encounter that he had on Tatooine, Dooku obviously knows something he's not telling um, Qui-Gon at this time because, you know, later when we see his encounter with Sidious, he obviously knows who that person is, um, you know, in, in his involvement with the whole Sith ordeal, right? So, yeah, it's cool that they kept the continuity from the Plagueis novel, where Sidious and Dooku kind of have dealings already, even prior to Maul's death. I thought that was really, really well done. 